all, welcome to On Demand. I'm Pastor Ricky Temple, glad you're with me today. We're gonna to talk about thinking. That's what the whole series is this month. It's called Thinking About Thinking. That's right. And I wanna show you how to protect your future. And you know how you do that? By improving your thinking. It's gonna be a great study, great series. And we were talking last time about collision thinking. When your brain ah, collides with things that aren't true and your life collides with people who have different values and how you think and how they think and how your friendship is defined one way and their friendships defined another. It's just amazing. You don't want to miss this sermon. It's great. It's powerful. I want you to get the whole series. But today we go beyond collision thinking and we're going to talk about, you ready? Bad thinking. Just flat out bad thinking. What you do about it, what the Bible says about it, how to pull it down out of your life. It's good stuff. So stay there. Get your Bible out. It's going to be amazing right here on demand. Stay right there. I'll come back at the end and pray for you. Stay there. Hey, it's Pastor Rick. Glad to have you back. I want you to get in the Word with us today as we take a look at how we think. It's a great study because we're looking at how you can protect your future. And my answer to that is very simple. Improve the way you think. And if you change the way you think, you can change everything. There is a book that I just love and I want you to, you know, this is a good book. We're going to read this book as a church. We have these book uh, club moments where we go through books. And this is one of our upcoming books. It's going to come up next time we have one. And the book is called Winning the Mind, Winning the War of the Mind. Uh, it's an amazing book by Craig Crochelle. Winning the War in Your Mind is phenomenal because let me give a quote that I just thought was phenomenal. He said, the life we have is a reflection of our thinking. Do you like the direction your thoughts are taking you? That's a great question, isn't it? Then here's the last quote that I just love that he says in the book. He says, our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. What we think will shape what we become. <laughs> great book, great point, great thought process. And we'll dive into that later on in our book club. But I want to say this to you. There's something about being clear about how you as a person can change everything in your life if you just stop thinking the way you've been thinking and allow yourself to have a new thought. Last week, we talked about collision thinking. It's a powerful service. Appreciate all of you came out for it. It's a great, great in-person service we had. And I talked to you about how different people you meet in your life, their thinking will collide with you. This happens a lot in marriage, a lot when you date folks, a lot when you first go out and you meet a person and you say, I want to go out, I want to talk to you and have a new friend or go on a new job. You find out that the company thinks differently than your last company or a new neighborhood. The neighbors are different. They keep their lawns up. The other neighbors didn't. You learn things from apartment living to house living. Each level of life, each experience in life, thinking your thinking has to evolve and change. When you travel a lot, when you're not home and you're gone and you're on the road, uh, that's the way you have that's the way you have to think and practice and, and pack and clothes you have to buy and extra clothes and all this stuff. It's amazing. But throughout your life, the key to protecting your future and advancing is being willing to change and adjust your thinking. If you're the kind of person who doesn't want to change your thinking, you're going to have trouble. That's why churches and religious people have such trouble. That's why it's hard to, it's hard to change them. It's hard to help them. I want to help young people. I want young people in my church. And you got to change your thinking. You said, I want money. You got to change your thinking. You have to learn how to ask for money, manage money, be a good steward of money. Can't be afraid of it. You have to learn how to manage and push forward. There are times in life God wants to bring things into your life, give it to you, put it in your hand. But he said, I can't. The way you think, you think in a way that's going to always hinder you. You do not understand everybody's not going to adjust to you. You have to adjust to them. Paul said, I became all things to all men that I might win them. 
And that's one of the problems that a lot of people who are religious have. They can't change. They think they're, they're the Lord and they shouldn't change. You know, the Bible says, I am the Lord thy God and I change not. They think that means them. But in order for you to get to where you want to be, sometimes that's required. So 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, takes us on a journey. And this is a text that really talks about how to adjust specifically bad thinking. That's what we're going to talk about today. How you adjust bad thinking. And there are, there are a lot of verses in the Bible about this, but this one is profound. Listen to what it says. We demolish, Paul said, arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once our, your obedience is complete. Now, what I want you to notice is Paul is trying to establish the right way to think and he's comparing it against the bad way to think. And there are three things he says in this text I want you to take note of. One, he says, we need to identify what thoughts have demolished areas of our life. Anything that rises up and causes challenges and arguments and, and frustration, we need to identify these are the th thought processes. This is the moment. For example, uh, somebody makes you angry. You think I should cuss them out. That's your thought process. You know, I don't, let anybody, I don't take it from anybody. See, that's a thought process. Uh, every time you see somebody you, who's cute, you think you have a right to date them. So you're flirting all the time. So that's a thought process. The way you think about money, the way you, you, know, you see a sale, you got to go, go buy it. You see, you can't hold on to any money. You don't have any saving strategy. That's a thought process. All of it's a thought process. And you have to demolish those arguments. Paul said this. He says, we demolish arguments. We demolish any way of thinking that, that goes against the thinking of God. We want to make sure we get rid of it. Secondly, let's talk about arguments. There are things that we argue. God, God it's amazing how if we're really, really honest we argue with God all the time and he's sitting there trying to show us. But we have all these arguments for disobedience, all these arguments for the way we live, the, way, the choices we make. He said we cast down every argument, everything that, that would demolish our faith in God, everything that's dangerous and everything that would take us captive. We get rid of it. Anything that would take us captive, anything that would hold me hostage. And I want to say this, and I want to be really careful how I say it, because I know some of you like, you, you like to drink. I know you like to drink. But for some of you, drinking is taking you captive. I know you, you like, you know, partying, but partying is taking you captive. I don't know what it's taking. Some of you, money is taking you captive. But whatever it is that rises up above God in your life and takes you captive and now holds you hostage are things you don't want in your life. And that's what this is about, and identifying honestly the things that you're thinking that do that. What are the things, what are the habits you have in your life that, that keep putting you in the same bondage? Now, what I want to do is take a journey and talk about a man who's like this. One guy, his name is Moses. Moses is well-known. He is incredibly influential. He's incredibly successful. We owe a lot to Moses. But Moses has some thinking habits that got him in trouble. As a matter of fact, they got him fired. Moses was on the road to the promised land, on the road to a better life, on the road to a dream he'd heard had all of his life for his people, for himself. But the problem Moses ran into was the way he processed. Now, I want to hear that you hear this. This is a godly man. This is a, if you want to say church man, this is a praying man. This is a man who saw great miracles happen in his life. But there were certain core problems that Moses had. And what's interesting is he, when we get into this part of the Bible, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 3. Verse 7, Moses is 80 years old. 
He's not young. This idea that you only have bad thinking when you're young is not true. He's 80 years old, and his thinking is horrible in some areas. And what we're going to see, first of all, he was incredibly insecure at 80 years old. Some of you can relate to that. You are old, but you are so insecure. And listen to what he says here. This is important. This is Exodus chapter 3, verse 7. Here's what he says. The Lord said, I've indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their sufferings. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the, Can the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. I want you to know, Moses, I'm coming to free my people. See, Moses is all right now. This is a conversation he's having at a burning bush with the Lord about what God's going to do to free Israel. And Moses feels this because, you know, he had feelings 40 years ago that somebody needed to rise up and, and free the people. And he thought he would. He ended up killing a guy and running for his life. It's a mess. He messed it all up. See, sometimes we try to fix things on our own and mess it all up. Get ahead of God, get ahead of God's timing, mess up everything. So 40 years later, now he's 80. Hear the story. First part of Exodus. He kills this guy. Chapter uh, chapter one, chapter two of Exodus. And Moses thought he heard God and he went in. He saw an Egyptian guy beating up on an uh, uh, Israeli guy and he jumped on the guy and killed him. He's going to lead the people to freedom. And that was the wrong way. See, that wasn't God's plan. So Moses had to run and leave Egypt. I'm sorry, leave where he was. And now he had to uh, go and hide for 40 years. So 40 years later, we get chapter three. He's 80 years old. And God comes down and says, I want you to know I want to free the people. I want, I want to free the people, and, I, and I'm going to raise up somebody. And then he says this, I've seen, verse 9, I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, verse 10 is where the problem starts for Moses, where the insecurity shows up. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, <laughs> the Israelites, out of Egypt. Now here's what's fascinating about this. Moses was good as long as God was going to, going to do it without him. A lot of us are like that. You know, we want the world to be fixed, but we just don't want to do it. <laughs> we want to feed the hungry, but we, we're not going to write one check. We have a vision for everybody else, but we don't get involved. Well, here's what happens. Moses starts saying, hey, I'm not qualified. I don't know why. I don't speak well. And you see his insecurity rises. Then that's your question. Are you insecure? Are you not confident that you can make a difference? Not somebody else. Not me. You. Can you make a difference? Insecurity is locked into a way of thinking that God had to dismantle in his life. Eventually, he gave him Aaron's brother to go with him, helped him, you know, get there. But the problem in chapter three is insecurity. That's the first thing we see in an 80, listen carefully, an 80-year-old person. How old are you? And why are you still like this? It's an amazing moment. Well, then God tries to reason with him. He says, if I go... First of all, I can't speak. And if I go, you know, people are going to know who, who sent me. He says, well, tell them I am that I am sent you. The present God, I'm with you. Tell them I'm with you. He, so God does all he can to dismantle the insecurity. I'll go with you. I'll bless you. I'll prosper you. All of that. But because of the level of his insecurity, nothing's working. So like I said, in the end, God sends his brother with him. Sometimes God will send somebody with you. And that's the only way he can get you to go because you won't go on your own. 
He had a plan to bless you by yourself, but he can't because you won't go by yourself. Some of you like that about a lot of things, you know. So you're always needing somebody around. There are times when the greatest blessing of God in your life is when you're alone. You want a husband? God says, I can't give you what I want to give you with a husband right now. Not the way you're thinking. You don't need, you don't need no new job. You need to stay where you are. You, can't, you don't have any skills to get another job. Keep this job for a minute. Work toward what you want. See, there's some conversations that God had to have with Moses to get him, get him in the right frame of mind. There's something about changing your mind. Now, when you study the life of Moses, you see more and more confidence as he goes. And it gets to the point that he becomes too confident, becomes a little arrogant again. Now, he's had this problem when he was 40. But the second thing I want you to see, not only was he insecure, he had a problem with anger. That was his challenge. The Bible says in chapter Numbers chapter 20, there was this encounter that God had uh, with Moses about the people because they came to him complaining. They were frustrated. They were in the wilderness and they were unhappy. And Moses had been leading and it's about three million people. And they're always whining. Nothing's happy. Nothing's good. And he just got tired. They came to him one day and he just, it was his day. He was frustrated with them. They wanted water. They wanted some water. So Moses prays, goes to God. That was good. You know, he, okay, so far he did good. Then all of a sudden in chapter, Numbers chapter, chapter 20, look at verse 2. There was no water for the community. And the people gathered in opposition to Moses and Aaron. They quarreled with Moses and said, if only we had died with our brothers who fell down dead before the Lord. Why did you bring the Lord's community into the wilderness that we, our livestock, should, be, should die here? Why did you bring us out of Egypt to this terrible place? It has no grain or figs or grapevines or pomegranates or Walmarts or Kmart. Nothing. No, there's no convenience stores here, people. <laughs> They're mad. This is frustrating for them. They're insecure and there's anger. All around. And guess what happens? When people got angry at Moses, Moses got angry at them. See? He ended up mirroring their behavior, which God did not appreciate. Verse 6 of the same chapter, Numbers chapter 20, listen to this. Moses and Aaron went from the assembly to the entrance of the tent of meeting and fell face down, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. Okay, that's good. All right, all right, that's a good move. And you go pray. You know, instead of letting their anger get on you, you go pray. Good move, Moses. Verse 7. The Lord said to Moses, the Lord said to Moses, important, listen carefully, verse 8. Take the staff and you and all your brothers, Aaron, gather the assembly together. Speak to that rock before their eyes. I want you to stay up there, be cool, be calm. Just go speak to the rock and what's going to happen? Water is going to come out of it. That's what I want you to do. That's all I want you to do. That's all I want you to do. I don't want you anything else. Now, what's interesting is this is where you see Moses' issue. This is where you see Moses had a tendency, if he wasn't careful, to get out of sorts. And because he wasn't careful, he went too far. And so watch what he does. This is an amazing moment. He's struggling. He's trying to find his way. He's trying to, but he's got a bad thinking habit. When people tell him off, he tells them off. When he's cornered and, and with a new assignment, he, gets, he falls into insecurity. But the anger thing dominated his life. It's an amazing story. Watch what happens. The Bible said in, in Numbers chapter um, 20, it said, uh, this is impressive. This is impressive. This is amazing. 
Moses said in verse, I'm sorry, verse 9. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence, just as he commanded him. He and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock. And Moses said to them, listen, you rebels. See, you name calling now. Let me talk to you. You, 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 not, now, you know, <laughs> I almost said fools. But he's, 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 he's mad with them. He's name calling. You rebels, must we bring you water out of this rock? Oh, so you need some water. Now he's got attitude. This is not what he was told to do. Go in there, Moses, speak to the rock, be cool. Watch what happens. Then Moses raised his arm and he didn't speak to the rock. He struck the rock, not one time, but twice. Bam, bam, take that, drink now. Now see, for a lot of people, they misunderstand how God looks at leadership. And let me just take a moment and talk to you leaders for a minute. This is one of my favorite texts to, to encourage leaders to be careful. Because you see, God gave Moses a great honor. Gave him a great opportunity to model grace and patience. Moses, on the other hand, decided not to do that. The end result then is he... He demonstrates this bad attitude. He is, by the way, by this time, about 100 years old plus, And he still has an issue. Age does not always remove. Um, <laughs> wow, I almost said a word I don't use. Stupidity. We won't say that word. Um, but age doesn't always remove foolishness from you. I like that a little better. But I've learned you can be any age and be foolish. At 80 years old, 40 years old, 40 he was foolish, 80 he was foolish, now he's over 100 and he's foolish. Wow. How old are you? And are you still, fill in the blanks, right? Come on. Are you still getting angry, still throwing tantrums, still, still, still? Here you are, you're getting older and your family's trying to take care of you and look at you. you they, look, you, you're horrible. You're not even making it easy for them. I mean, there's something about pausing for a moment and realizing this is not the way to be. This is not the way to respond. This is not the way to behave. So Moses does this, and the Bible says something profound. Verse 12 of Numbers chapter 20 says, But the Lord said to Moses, Because you did not hear word, trust me enough to honor me. This is important. Read it slow. Because you did not trust me enough to honor me. See, I, I wanted you to do it my way. I wanted you to trust that my way of responding to their foolish behavior and their anger was better than your way. Trust me. Man, that thought's amazing for me. Trust me enough to honor me. You represent me. And you're yelling and screaming and calling people names. I, I told you to go speak to the rock, not hit it twice. I didn't tell you to do that. And he said, because you did that, here's what he told this leader. He said, because you didn't trust me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, I wanted to be seen as holy and sacred and different. I don't need you to make me look like you. I, you may be angry, but I, don't, I need you to take your anger, put that on the side and do what I told you to do. Now, please catch this. And he says, you will not bring the community into the land I gave them. I give them, rather. 
Uh, you just lost an opportunity, sir. Here's what he's saying. You can lose things. You can lose things. And I believe sometimes you lose things, don't know you lost it. There's something about. <laughs> there's something about. Your behavior that can lock you out of opportunities, your temper, your insecurity. You know, people ask you to come and try a job. I, ain't, I can't do that. OK, fine. Next person. One of the things I like to ask people, one time I, I, I saw a person uh, cleaning a bathroom, you know, and I, I'm, I'm big on that. And since I've been to Brazil and I've seen people in, in different settings in different countries, you know, there are people who work in the bathroom. That's their job. And I, I, I have a habit of saying, hey, you're working hard today. How you doing? I ain't doing nothing for these people. And when they tell me that, I, I don't give them a tip. I don't give them anything. If they tell me they're working hard, I give them something. But I've, I've watched people, just, they don't even know they missed the blessing because of their attitude. There's something about this moment in Moses' life that reshaped all of his attitude. Now, I want you to listen to this. But he had this stubbornness. Even though God told him he wasn't going to go in, please watch what happened. Deuteronomy chapter 3. I'm going to take you to another place now. Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is important because it's the last book where Moses talks to the new generation. All their fathers had died in the wilderness, right? And so this is the second generation of Israel. Everybody that was 20 uh, and above did not go into the promised land. Everybody who was below, the teenagers and below, the youth, <laughs> he let them go in. All the older people, he left them out. All the young people, he brought them in. And here's what happened. Moses now is describing this encounter he had with God where God got angry with him because of his reaction to that rock moment. Okay, now watch what he said. Deuteronomy chapter 3. This is Moses recounting it years later. As a matter of fact, almost 20 years later. So watch this. At that time, I commanded Joshua, you have seen with your own eyes all the Lord God, your God has done to these two kings. The Lord will do the same to all the kingdoms over there, over there where you are going. Do not be afraid of them. The Lord your God himself will fight for you. So Moses now is showing he's confident that they're going to be OK. He's telling the young generation, you guys are going to be fine. And, you know, I told Joshua he's going with you because you remember Joshua and Caleb with only two guys over 20 who had a good attitude. They are now in their 60s, Joshua and Caleb. Jake, Caleb's even older. But I want you to listen. Verse 23, he said, at that time, I, Moses now is telling what happened when God talked to him about smoking the rock. He said, at that time, I pleaded with the Lord. Sovereign Lord, you have begun to show your servant your greatness and your strong hand. For what God is there in heaven, this is Moses talking, or on earth, who can do the deeds and mighty works you do. Boy, I praise you, God. Look at verse 25. Let me go over. Let me go over. I know I smote the rock. I know I embarrassed you. I know, I know you told me not to do it. But let me go over. Give me another chance and see the good land beyond the Jordan, that, that fine hill country in Lebanon. Give me another chance. Give me another chance. I'm sorry. Everybody makes a mistake. There's a lesson here in verse 26. Some things you can do, you lose something forever. You don't get it back. You make a decision, have attitude, and lose an opportunity. Here's what he said, verse 26. Last verse of the day. But because of you, now this is Moses talking, I want you to listen carefully. Just look at me for a minute. Moses' response to what God told him, because he asked God, could he go over? Could he get another chance to go into the promised land? He, Moses looked at those, those young people. 
the second generation. And he said, but because of you, because of you, <laughs> the Lord was angry with me. I didn't do anything. But because of you, see, notice how he's still missing it. The Lord was angry with me and would not listen to me. The Lord wouldn't even listen to me because of you. It's your fault, not my fault. This is years later. He still don't get it. You can be old and still foolish. Good man, did a lot of great things, but I want you to see how bad thinking can get you in trouble. You can have one area of bad thinking, money. This bad area of thinking is money and mess up everything else in your life. You could be good prayer, fix houses, <laughs> clean up everything. But when it comes to money, you're terrible. Or how you talk to people. This is Moses' issue. He's, he's, he's not owning up to it. He says, because of you. He said, that is, the Lord said to me. Look what he said. The Lord said to me, this is verse 26. That is enough, the Lord said. Do not speak to me anymore about this matter. Don't ask me again, Moses. Don't ask me again. I told you you're not going in. See, there are moments. Wow. There are moments where you missed out because you would not elevate your thinking. You would not elevate your behavior. You continue down a path, and so here you are. So there are four big lessons that I want to apply to your life in this whole message. Number one, don't allow anything to exalt itself above the knowledge of Christ in your life. Don't allow anything to rise above God in your life. Paul said we cast down vain imaginations and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Every argument that comes up against the knowledge of God. And you feel those arguments sometimes in your soul. I should do this. I shouldn't do that. He said you can't, you can't let those arguments win. Secondly, don't allow your insecurity and frustration to demolish you, to, to hurt you. Sometimes that's what can hurt you, can demolish your life. You're so insecure. You're so afraid. I feel it often. Insecurity, struggles. You, yeah, man, I struggle. I struggle with this, the way I change it. We change the church services. You know, we got the fourth Sunday now. Everybody's basically watching home at home digitally. And we, we have what we call Sabbath Sunday. We just, you know, we watch everything's digital. Everybody rests. Not just the pastor who's tired. Sometimes the church is tired. The whole church is tired. And I struggle with that. I struggle. I struggle and became insecure and felt. Because first of all, everybody around me said, what, 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 what did he say? What did he say? Preachers are among the worst people that rested. You preach it, but you, 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 drag, and you drag people behind you. Everybody's tired. Tongue hanging out their mouth. Now we've changed everything. We feel great. I'm telling you, it's having a pause, you know, doing the doing the midweek Bible studies differently. We do them all digitally now. Every now and then we'll have a series of things in person. But we're trying to mix and match it so that we can all rest and yet be effective in the battlefield. So what you have to do is deal with that. Don't allow it to overwhelm you. Thirdly, you need to demolish and take captive thoughts that will enslave you. There are things that you need to go and capture. Put that in a box Put that pornography in a box, lock it up. You need to put that stuff in a box, that temper. Those things will, will hold you captive. Unforgiveness holds you captive. Blaming somebody all the time. Yeah, they did it to you, but get old, step over that. I can't let that hold me down. I can't, let, I can't give them power all my life. That's what unforgiveness does. It gives a person power over you all your life. When you think about them, you start twitching. When you see them, you get nervous. Step over that. Let God get you above that. 
that may require, we're going to talk about next week, elevated thinking. And then lastly, you need to make sure you confront your stubbornness while you have a chance. Moses was stubborn and he didn't confront it. He's over 100 years old, still talking with some stubborn streaks in him. You like that? Are you the kind of person who's like that? Well, here's what I want you to do. Elevate your thinking. I want to talk about that next time we're together. Elevate your thinking so you can get God's best in your life. I believe that God can bless you. I hope these 27 minutes or so has helped you. I want to pray for you right now. Let's do that. Father, I pray for those who've heard this message. Let it lift their mind and their heart to a new place. Give them faith and vision to see beyond how they think and how they feel. And may they raise up their mind, fight that war of the mind and get in there and make this thing happen with faith and confidence. And God, we give you praise and glory in Jesus name. Amen. Now I want to tell you something. We're reading books. The books have been profound and I think they'll help you. The one book we've been reading lately, another book is called If You, if you Change Man. If you how to change everything without changing anything. You know how you do that? How you change everything without changing anything? When you change nothing but change everything, all you do is change your perspective. That's how you do it. You change the lens through which you look at life. Look at your past differently, your present differently, and your future differently. Let God help you today. I feel somebody in here is angry, frustrated. You're just like Moses. You're a good person. You love God. But man, you need to let all that stuff go out of your heart so God can use you and bless you and elevate the whole quality of your life. Let me pray for you. Father, let this be that moment of breakthrough, healing and deliverance. I pray that you let them walk out of here free, leave this time together and be free and release, release you to do what you want to do in their life. They've been holding you captive. They've been allowing things to exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. May they say no more from this day forward. And Father, I pray for those who don't know you, saved you, never gave their lives to Christ. May this be that moment they pray that prayer and say, Lord, I need you in my life. May this be that transforming moment in Jesus' name. Hey, listen, thanks for being with me. I'm glad you came. If you want me to pray, send, send some gifts to you to help you start your walk with God. If you prayed that prayer and you say, yeah, man, I need it. I need a boost. I need help in my spiritual life. There's information right there on the screen you can reach out to. We're glad to help you with that. If you're watching on a live screen where you have the option to click on a button, click on it, and we'll be glad to send you some information to help you start your life with Christ. If you're watching online, let me tell you what to do online. If you're online, send some emojis up. Send some emojis up and tell everybody, hey, I'm here. Type your name in there. Type your name in the chat and let everybody know that you're in the house. Let them know you're not just out there. Let them know that God is with you. And I want to tell you something, my friend. You can have God's blessing in your life if you do it right. So God bless you. I'll see you next time right here with me, Pastor Rick. As we talk about elevated thinking, you don't want to miss it. It's going to be amazing. See you then. See you next time. Well, I pray you got the message. I pray it's clear in your mind the importance of thinking right. Pulling down strongholds, not thinking like the people around you, but learning how to think differently. If you want different results, you have to think different thoughts and live a different way. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for those today who've heard this message. May it inspire them to think right and elevate their vision. As we get ready to talk about elevated thinking next week, let this be a moment when they say we need to let the Lord arrest those things in our thought process that's wrong, that's hindered us in our, our life and stopped us from receiving God's best. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for being with me. If you like the message, link it and send it to a friend. I'm so glad you're with me. Don't miss next week. Elevated thinking is a great word. It will bless your life. I'll see you then.